From historic Filipino town in Los Angeles, California, I'm Michael Yunez. I'm Daniel Crook. And this is Hot Dogs. Bananas. Alright, so we were talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the X-Men movies and how there's two Quicksilvers and where Deadpool fits in yeah. and all that jazz. Um, I think when you look back, I mean, when you look back over the last decade or so, mm-hmm. or two, um, and you look at all the superhero movies that have been made by the big studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has gotten the most attention, obviously, but I think Fox has overall put out the best stuff. Even though you've had your Fantastic Fours, you've had your clunkers like that, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, um, the X-Men movies... I think Days of Future Past and First Class are better than anything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think so, too. But one thing they do better, and this is, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe coasts on its own charisma. Like, it's not just Guardians of the Galaxy. They expect you to go in loving Captain America, uh, Iron Man, the Hulk. You know, I love Thor. Not many other people do. Sure. But they, they never really, like... They expect you to be invested emotionally in those characters going in, and therefore you give... A shit about all of their all the tedium that they're going through in these films. In the X Men series, it's also an ensemble driven thing where you know you you love Kitty Pride for this reason mm-hmm. and you love Storm because she's vulnerable and yeah. and and those films manage to actually ring out real human drama. Yeah, um, and they're and, also driven by the politics of um, of its universe. Yeah, um, in a really organic way because Civil War which we'll get into in a bit. Right. Also is is pretty political, but uh I don't necessarily see the real world implications the same way the the X-Men movies present themselves um in terms of being allegories for the civil oppressed rights. for for civil rights. Yeah, I mean it's no it's no coincidence that it's Brian Singer like the yeah. capital G gayest director in Hollywood crafted the most touching and thrilling gay rights allegory of our time Swish! we're here the weather is my, not nice because my point about fox putting out better work mm-hmm. um has to do with how they put it in the hands of directors and they're not servicing the grander vision to the extent that uh the marvel cinematic universe is Swish! i don't support their vision i should say yeah but i do support their paul bettany's vision he's a real hoot yeah i love paul bettany he was the best part of age voltron by far well, the only I... thing i really like that's really memorable to me about that movie. I think movie. that he is one of the three best things in Captain America Civil War. So it's Vision, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, right. which are all new properties that I think are explored. I put, I put Ant-Man in there too. I mean, yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't, but only because it's like effective comic relief. But I think with Black Panther and Spider-Man, like you really get, you really get a fleshed idea of these characters' backstories and motivations and, this new Spider-Man is fantastic. I think um, he's great, and I think he's com- comic relief as well. I think the movie desperately needed comic relief, which I didn't think... I went into this movie expecting it to be the anti-Batman versus Superman, that it was going to be sort of a little a little more whimsical, a little more comedic, and I was really surprised to find that it takes itself just as seriously it's, as Batman versus Superman It's extremely weighty. I completely agree. It's I not le- as, as visually uh, murky and un- no, unpleasant. No, I hadn't realized until this time around, Captain America's suit is a dark blue yeah. in, in these films. So there is still the idea of, like, let's take the saturation down a little bit. Yeah, right? and, and, and Iron Man's never been, like, a bright red, and... Uh, 
Although when he was in the desert, same with Ant Man. In, in the first like film, maroon. when Iron Man was in the desert in the first film, you at least got a little more glow going on. Yeah. Um, but what I was gonna say, yeah, I completely agree. It takes itself so seriously, which I was really dreading because I, I didn't want something portentous. I wanted something sort of light on its feet, which is what people say about the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a lot of ways, just how fun it is. See, so yeah, which is why, to me, the parts where I was actually enjoying watching it most were were. Ant-Man and Spider-Man, those two characters. I did like what was teased to us with Black Panther. That's as much as I, I can really say about that. Um, what was the other one you had mentioned? Oh, Vision. I think Vision's a lot of fun. Vision's great. And they made him funny. That was also a, a, just the sight of Vision in street clothes is funny to me. Right. It, it's, a, it's like a dog wearing a tuxedo. But uh, the point I was making about the philosophy of how they're putting these movies together is they sort of all these team up movies sort of act as the crescendos in their big vision which i sort of don't like i really wish that they would focus on making doctor strange the best doctor strange movie it could be you know make um iron man 3 the best possible iron man 3 you can have and then have the team up movies be sort of the exhibition movies this is the problem with the team up movies is that it's all payoff and no plant with these characters mm -hmm. and in the plant is going on in their own separate films yeah Therefore, they're dismembering these characters' narratives, and they're expecting you to have cobbled it all together in order to fully, you know, uh, appreciate the impact of, the, of, of this new film. Here's the thing, though. Obviously, films have sequels, and in mm -hmm. those, like Indiana Jones or something, those depend on your knowledge of the character going in. So this is not a prerequisite or anything. Like, yeah. obviously, there are plenty of examples. But here's a couple. If you think about the first two Die Hard sequels, for instance, like specifically um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay. So in that film, you never see Holly McLean. You never see his estranged wife and he's getting a divorce. But the film gives a few minutes in the beginning to set up where McLean is at. He is hungover. He's divorced and heartbroken. And it does this with very clever insert shots and, 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 and pretty solid telegraphing and dialogue. But it, it doesn't... It doesn't assume that going in, you're already on John McClane's side. In fact, it gives him, it, I don't, he make, they make him unlikable. They give him all these obstacles, and then you watch him conquer them in each film. With this film, it, like basically the entire uh, you know dilemma here between like autonomy and oversight, right, yeah. is is set up in, in Winter Soldier and in all these other films. So so we, we never as much as uh, as much time as this film spends with its characters talking back and forth in a room and quote unquote debating ideas. They made up their minds in the previous films. Swish! When, at the end of the first Iron Man, when Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury shows up and says, we're putting the Avengers together, that's like, holy shit, they're actually going to do this thing that everybody thought was pretty much just not feasible to to have all these superhero movies and, just and then these, have them team up in a movie. Because it was all, yeah, Avengers and Justice League. Nobody ever thought it was possible. Um, so now we know it's possible. And I, I, I think they just need to be approached a little bit differently. I appreciate the audacity, but that's not enough for me. Yeah. What I will give this film credit for, um, more so than Avengers Age of Ultron, because this is really an Avengers movie, right? I mean, it's Captain America Civil War, but it's it's not. It's the Avengers It's much Civil better War. than the last Avengers movie. It's I not think. A, It's not a good sign when the, when the uh, character in your title has some of the least interesting drama compared to the other characters. Well, I think he... So, so this is our... It occurred to me that... Like I always, I thought Chris Evans as a Captain America or this incarnation of Captain America is totally boring. Uh, from the first film, Captain America, the first Avenger, there was always this attitude that we'll see how he settles into the role. And, and now I just realize this is his 
fifth time on screen, and he is... He's a dial tone to me. He's not interesting. I will say, I actually think Chris Evans is charmingly wooden in these films. Um, I think that... I'd agree with the wooden part of I that, that sentence. <laughs> I think that when they build Captain America, he's somewhat... He's somewhat of like a tabula rasa, like you, like be, just like mm. the idea of patriotism is, and what does America represent. You can sort of throw on your own ideas onto that. I sort of wish they would like deconstruct that propaganda element of Captain America because no, like it's, that a, too, it's be- a dated character. No, but uh, I, I, I mean, it sounds like I'm disagreeing because I do think Chris Evans is does a pretty good job in the role. But I, I to your point, I, I wish that they would, you know, taffy pull some of his motivations and some of his insecurities about his national identity and what he represents and see him grapple with a little more guilt. Um, I, I mean, I guess Iron Man does that more, um, but Iron Man's been doing that since the first film. Uh, you know, he's a technocrat with regret where his products are going. So I, I, I totally Is, dig that drama, but give something to Captain America. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm. It was a lot easier for me to be Team Iron Man over Team Cap. Yeah, I'm on that um, team too. Captain America, which his convictions all come from his self-righteousness, which pushes me away immediately, no matter how right he is. Whereas... Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, who's always been sort of the loose cannon, and he's bad with authority. Mm-hmm. Now he's he also- finally comes into this movie and says, we need to hold ourselves accountable. That's a really redemptive position for him. So it's easier for me to get behind that. I Captain think, America, I, not, not, not the same thing. I don't think the film is on Iron Man's side. When you see, um, and you know what, I really don't want to cut out anything about spoilers here because I don't care and I think everybody's seen the movie, but when you see like Hawkeye in an underground bunker prison and Ant-Man, that the government is holding them there and it's all shot very oppressively, the production design is grayscale and clinical and therefore evil, um, I mean, the film is, that's not ambiguous. The film is clearly saying that this is tyrannical and an overreach and that's what Captain America has been saying the entire time. Iron Man, I agree, it's it's such a redemptive arc, but the film never redeems that point of view in any way. Yeah, like it, I, Iron Man comes to the conclusion, therefore that's a character arc. Yeah, but as the a movie story, the, the movie, film doesn't. Yeah, and yeah. It's not just because I agree with Iron Man. To it, me, I mean, he got his redemption at the start. To me, so that's why I was what on I'm his saying. side. This is what I'm saying. In the beginning of the film, everybody's yeah. made up their mind. Yeah, and I guess like one or two people switch sides or something, but not because not because of any sort of profound moral conflict, but because um, Hawkeye busts through the door and says, "Come with me if you want to live." Man, I was so not thrilled when Hawkeye came in. Uh, I, I was thinking we were gonna get get away uh, without the Renner man. Uh, he's not interesting in, in this film, and, and, and he's and, not interesting. I don't. I, the only look. interesting, like the only character. Sorry, let me say this: the only character development they've ever given him is that he has a wife. That's all. Yeah. Um, Played it, by uh, he was, Judy Greer or uh, it's Linda, Linda Cardellini. And you um, and you and you don't even bring back Linda Cardellini. Swish. I want to go back Join to something we were talking about about how seriously the film takes itself versus Batman versus Superman. Yeah. I agree with that, and and I said as much. But I, I mean, I think this is a. I do think it's a vastly better film um, in terms of aesthetics, and uh, the action scenes have a better shot variety and a better sense of pacing and energy, and, and you don't feel like Favors you're choreography over editing. It doesn't feel like you're in a pit of quicksand, you know. Yeah. It, but but I I as I said it earlier, I appreciate that the conversation is one of autonomy versus oversight. And in a way, this is like the Avengers version of Too Big to Fail, where Captain America is Lloyd Blankfine and Iron Man is Hank Paulson. Like, I think it actually has something, it's actually thinking about a couple of issues here. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. 
I don't think it's um, subtly explored or negotiated, but no. but but at, at least they're trying to inflict some sort of um, existential trauma onto these characters. I don't yeah. think it works, but I, I do admire the um, the idea going into it. Swish. It's not again. That doesn't mean there's some sort of like uh, subtle examination of international politics going on here. Or anything. I think there's very little examination of anything besides uh, these characters' egos. Yeah, but okay, so. Um, I think that the Avengers, the first one, because it's written by Joss Whedon, who I'm not a ginormous Joss Whedon fan, but I certainly see his talent. Mm-hmm. And when it when this group is getting together for the first time, and it is this sort of um, horse trading of egos and keeping one another in check and challenging each other, and like an everybody wants some way, like all these little contests of authority. Yeah. It makes those moments where they're just sitting around or standing around on their spaceship or whatever, or they're uh, they're flying. Station, whatever. Those moments when they're just sitting back and talking and tossing ideas back and forth is so much more rich because this is the first time you've seen any of these people have this dialogue. And and because, I mean, it's about ego, but that's fine because the conversation hadn't been had in this arena yet. Mm-hmm. They're still having those same conversations. And nothing, like, really no new shading or color or, or, or just any new points. They're not offering anything new here, apart from Iron Man saying, like, we should keep ourselves in check. Swish! I'm, I'm honestly relieved that they don't have to save the world and that there isn't some huge CG set piece in the I was thrilled there was end. no Thanos in this. I was thrilled. It, yeah, their villains... Are lame, so their stakes are weak. Um, well, honestly, this one had a terrible villain too, with Daniel Bruhl's uh, half-cooked uh, plan that I couldn't even possibly explain because the movie didn't give it much thought. I mean, he was doing exactly what Lex Luthor was doing, right? Yeah, it's an, it's easier to pit these people, our heroes, against one another and let them implode than to fight them from the outside because they're indestructible. Only they mm-hmm. know one another's weaknesses. I want to add on though. So in the Avengers, when, when they are finding excuses to fight one another and how that has sort of become the grand pull of the films later, in the Avengers, it's a it's an exploration of microaggressions. Like it's sure. it, it's it's a character saying one little thing that leads Thor, you know, flying across the room to sock him in the face or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. In this, it, ta- it 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 loses the the nuance and 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 really the character work because you're seeing what makes these guys and two girls tick. That's interesting on a minor key is what I'm saying. When when you blow it up, it just exposes how thinly drawn these relationships and these characters' internal lives are, I think. I just don't really find them compelling. I think the two most compelling characters and with with the two most um, dynamic and complicated backstories are Black Panther and Spider-Man. And I'm excited. In a way, I, I leave this film a little optimistic about the MCU because eventually Captain America and Iron Man will get phased out. They'll just cameo. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to see Chadwick Boseman and Tom Holland um, and Benedict Cumberbatch. And, you know, we haven't seen Doctor Strange yet. I don't know if it's any good. Yeah. But I just, I really, I saw more life in the backstory segments for Spider-Man, like his home life. For the newer characters, yeah. Yeah, but but like in in, in, in the environments, in, in his queen's apartment, I think, that, think it had such a nice texture and was so lived in and, and had such a contemporary sense of humor and I thought the kid was really charming. Mm-hmm. And with Black Panther, I think most of the heart is in his uh, relationship with his dead father to avenge his death. Um, totally. However you want to say it. Swish! A way that I'm sort of just thinking of this now, but how I would contrast the experiences of watching 
Age of Ultron versus Civil War. In Age of Ultron, the talking scenes, I think, are the ones that work best because mm. that's when... I hate those. Well, the talking scenes are, are where all the comedy is, like the party scene where they have personalities. In this one, the talking scenes... I, I'm just waiting for the fight scenes. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the fight scenes in Age of Ultron, I think, suck. I mm. think the action in the Avengers movies, by and large, doesn't. it just doesn't really do it for mm. me. Uh, Civil War, the fight scenes had some invention to them. Yeah, I, and seeing those characters in action, there was some excitement there. But the talking scenes, I was actually saying, get me to the next fight yeah. scene. I want to flag two things in your answer there. But one is when it comes to action. So in Age of Ultron, there's that there's that uh, slow motion shot of all of the superheroes fighting together, and you know Thor's got his hammer, Hulk's looking big and muscular and imposing. Black Widow is very lithe and ready to ready yeah. to strike, but it's such a I mean it's a boring shot. Swish! Again, I applaud I applaud the film for a weightiness that is obnoxious and yet a little more thought out. I'll give it props for that. Yeah, but if you don't mind, um, if you want to talk about a film that works, that is about a group of people hanging out in a room, going back and forth on what they should do in order to conquer evil, and then occasionally they go out and have these quick spurts of action, and then they go back to the room and deliberate again and again and again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Jeremy Saunier's green room works like a charm. It works pretty well. It's great. I mean, it, it's a perfectly orchestrated torture device, and it's 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 a beautiful thing. And I, I'm curious. To, I haven't heard you say much about it at all. So, um, I, I mean, I have some specific things I really like about green room. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to say them until you say something. It's it's a nasty, nasty movie. Nasty in its environment and in its characters and its subculture and in its execution. Should we say what the movie's about? Yeah. You want to um, tackle that real quick yeah, and then okay, I'll get so back Green, to this. Green Room is uh, the new horror thriller from Jeremy Saulnier. It's his follow-up to the film Blue Ruin. It's about a ragtag, um, real authentic punk group in the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. who are broke down, beaten down, desperate and after their gig cancels and they, they're uh, cash strapped they're offered a gig you know 20 miles in the backwoods to play in this very uh, remote you know scary club that ends up being um, you know belonging to skinheads and, and white nationalists mm -hmm. and they witness a murder and they're held hostage as they try and escape and the white supremacists try and uh, murder them yeah how's that that's about right yeah so people have called it a smart movie and it is um, but, you know, if you're looking for something that says something about these neo-Nazis or about extremism, like... I actually movie, think it does, though. Um, but go ahead. I think it, it, it plants some seeds like it's going to, and then it ultimately ends up being that grindhouse picture that I like it for. Uh -huh. um, can, I, can I jump in, though, on that? Sure. Um, so... I think that the film does a really nice job of exposing how, you know, whether it be the KKK, neo-Nazis, well, let's just say specifically neo-Nazis for this, sure. are, like, pretty, like, witless, limp-dick imitators. Like, the, you know, I'm sh I know that they do firmly believe that white people are the chosen race of the world and we should do everything we can to exterminate mm -hmm. those of a different color. And if I ever run for office, that one clip will be taken out of context and I will look like a white supremacist. But... They don't, like, I think it does a really great job of exposing their lack of original intelligence. Swish! They're, um, they're playing dress-up, is my point. So, and it doesn't mean they're not dangerous and that they're not, you know, brilliant and calculating in a really evil, nasty way. But I think when you take a look at how 
Patrick Stewart, who who is the main villain, mm-hmm. the way that he has these conversations with his fellow goons about, so do we release the hounds or do we blockade this? Like, what is our move here? He's playing this, uh, this he's playing this character like he's at a risk board. If they really wanted to be swift and smart and kill these kids, they would they would not bring the hounds back into their cages. Like the idea of like we can only have them out for thirty seconds, then we have to bring them back and deliberate once again and, and lay over the board and push our pieces around and no. go back and forth on the best way to conquer these nations and invade Poland. Like I, I think it does a really nice Oof. job. What? No, I just really wish it was that for me. Well, I, I think I could see I like uh, you make a great case for it and it makes me kinda wanna watch it again well, with that in mind. But I, I, I think th- I think the movie doesn't uh doesn't give the attention to that that I, that I think, you've made me wish it did. Well, I also think well, just to talking about attention to detail, I think that it it's so um, it it feels weird to say this film beautifully does anything. So let me pick another word. It it it, it very vividly depicts the banalities of these guys as well. Like whether it's um, sending all the patrons home and promising free drinks because you got to keep business afloat, and 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 when they go to the trailer to check out um, uh, money in in order to take care of a problem, it's so like it's so bindery like it, it it's so boring it's just uh dollars and cents in the bottom line and and i i i think it that's really funny in a way i think it's really a really smart way to explore unmitigated evil i think they work as villains and mm-hmm. i think they're set up really well as villains i guess my point was i don't think the movie really does meditate on the ideologies yeah but it's i mean to your point earlier i mean it's a pulpy grindhouse flick it's not that, about that. well yeah that's that that is my point Okay. Swish. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a it's a it's a really um, nasty milieu, I, I, and they do a great job of. One thing know, that I really like about the movie the is that the characters are displaced from the very beginning. There is never talk about that too. there is never uh, there is no safe place in this movie. The green room sort of serves. Before I get so when we first uh, when we first join these I have characters. Have on a piece of paper what you're about to say. Uh, just to show my don't hand. Be so sure. Well, I, I think you're going kidding. to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you're taking my point. I'm just no, saying no, 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 no. I think I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. Um, when we first join these characters, we learn that they are sleeping in a van and they're siphoning on gas. tour, siphoning yeah. gas. They, they're totally surrendered themselves to their art, which mm-hmm. is cool. So we That's can get behind right. them in that way, even though they're sort of criminals. But you know, nothing serious. They're, 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 um, they're practicing what they preach. Though. Yeah, there's an integrity to that. So, so they're displaced. They're uncomfortable. They're they're away from home, um, and their plan. Their plan sort of gets ruined right away because they arrive in a town where they're supposed to do a show, and then like the they're doing an interview, and the and the interviewer was fired from his publication or yeah, something. Yeah, the interviewer and, is so uh, great, by the way, because he's not a real punk. Yeah. You know, he lives in a really nice yeah. apartment. He's got a stupid dyed mohawk. <laughs> and Elias Shawkat's got sort of these, you know, really, really far-flung, you know, uh, nappy braids and yeah, everything. Yeah. It's like, it's great. I mean, you, you buy you buy these kids. You don't I, – I just I, – I love that comparison between the two because he's asking yeah. them stupid, like, okay, guys, uh, we're doing this for the radio here. And they're like, radio, fuck off. Like – so so anyway, yeah so so this guy gets him uh, gets him the gig for the Nazis as by way of apology for messing up their whole plan so they're going out of their way to do this gig for the, the Nazis um, so they're uncomfortable there obviously yeah and then what the movie sort of presents as the safe haven the safe place the green room mm-hmm. is immediately violated mm-hmm. so so their first instinct is they have to get out of this green room. And the the movie's most shocking, horrifically violent moment, 
I think is so brilliantly placed. It's the first bit of real violence. The box cutter? The arm thing. Oh, the arm thing. Woo! Yeah, that really sets the tone for what the rest of the wow. movie's going to be. Yeah, they, you're in a meat grinder. So you thought that room was violated. He sticks his arm out of that room, and you see and what happens to it. it comes back looking it. like Fusilli Pasta. It is brutal. Yeah, it's awful. It's really unsettling. It's amazing. Swish! This is such a fun movie to see with an audience. I, I don't mean to you know get off topic here, but like hearing like the gasps and squeals and watching people cringe, like it's a real argument for um, the importance of going to the movies in public with a group of people, um, you know, you get the same thing in a love story in yeah. different ways, but like all the viscera on display, it's just like- A lot of squirming. Yeah, a lot around. of squirming. Um, I just think this film has such a uh, incredibly evocative sense of place. All of these rooms, feel, not just the green room, but like every hallway, the apartment they're staying in, the van, it all, and in the farm stuff, it all feels so lived in. The chains yeah. that the dogs are wearing. Swish! The movie has the appearance of very little humanity. There's yeah. a lot of evil and, and that sort of punk anarchy to it. Yeah. It, it seems like it would be distancing, but mm -hmm. the actors kind of make it inviting. Well, that's like what I really like Aaliyah about Aaliyah Shawkat, for instance, so her character, she's the bassist or whatever, um, Real quick before I get into this, I just love the slow motion in this film. Like, like the capturing of like. Um, it's been a little while, so. Well, just like in their performances, the slow motion in the crowd and on stage, really capturing the um, chaos of the movement that sort of has this underlying danger and yet is quite beautiful on the surface, which I think you can say about this film as just with its style and execution. But going back to Aaliyah Shawkat, so she's the bassist or whatever. I just remembered because I'm pretty sure they have like a good shot of her face in that sequence. Mm -hmm. Or scene. Or he's um, he's the bassist. She's guitar. I she's think. the guitarist. Thank you. I, I I'm 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 assuming that the <laughs> girl in the band is the bassist, and that's my sexist uh, problem. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. School of Rock, baby. School of Rock. School of I rock. saw a dope lady bassist over the weekend um, at the Highland Park block party. I saw a mom band. Um, it, it, it's like all the mo my aunt and uncle invited me to go. It's like a it's a group of moms from the elementary school that my uh, niece cousin mm -hmm. is going to. And they're called the Dolly Mamas, and it was like just a rad. That's a great name. Yeah, just like a rad. Um, I like their name. The the Ain't Rights is the yeah, name the of the band rights. in this one. It's but, pretty oh, good but, name. But only only uh, Ain't Rights as a band name is only bested by Cow Cruncher, the headlining band, which is <laughs> with K's. It's so funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my point. Aaliyah Shawkat, she's sort of the 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 reinforced steel beam of this group. Yeah. Like she, I mean, not she's not just steely, you know, in her composure, but she is keeping the group together. Yeah, she, she's she, the band manager. She, she's the band manager. She is the cool face, or she's like the the cool face in danger. But the way that you see fear and the imminent threat of death trickle into each of these characters and their faces, um, and, and even their body language is like watching them shake or whatever. I mean, like, Aaliyah Shawkat, basically, you take that steel beam and, and drop it into, like, the liquid nitrogen of fear for your life, and mm -hmm. then beat her with a dog, and she shatters. Like, yeah. it, like, I think the film explores fear in a really visceral and um, direct way. Swish! I had a great time. So did I. Yeah. So let me ask you, okay. what is your Desert Island band? Um... Right now, I mean, right now it would be X. Okay. Um, just to keep the punk theme going, but that's not my choice because, like, I'm only a, a new fan of that band. Yeah, um, you always got to go back to what's yeah. tried and tested. Well, I mean, and I mean, REM it would be my like go-to because they have that's such a, a diverse one. catalog. But that, like, if you know me and my family, that's a very easy answer. So yeah. I guess my answer would be Slater Kenny. 
Okay. I mean, we'll see how that answer changes when you're in a life and death situation, which is one of the most more amusing things that that happens in the movie. Oh, well, how they well, how, like then how Bruce differently or Madonna, I like okay, fine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, it comes out. Elton John. That's Elton a good John. choice. Elton John. That's my answer. Elton John. Yeah, I wonder like whether it's what is yours? Uh, I'm a big progressive rock fan. Yes, is probably the band that I know the most and I've spent the most time with. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they have great 20 minute tracks that I don't have to uh great cover artwork too great you can cover be looking artwork. at you can be pouring over that for days and the other and then the other option would, be, would for me would be pink floyd yeah i mean bands where you can listen to their albums you're already through. you're already yeah. stranded and lost i don't know if i would choose pink <laughs> floyd that's i mean that's why i mean elton john has sort of i would t- i would say yes lifting quality i would say yes because there are so many micro journeys within every track <laughs> so uh i transported yeah, infinitely sure. with yes so. okay um yes right. for me what was yours again elton john elton john yeah